Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this particular psalm, and we pray that as we look at it together this morning, that You will help us, that You will grow us in Your grace, that Your Spirit will teach us. Pray that You would, you would, um, that you would help us as we, as we dive into Your Word this morning. I pray that the sermon would be clear, and that I, I pray that it would also be uh, more, more than that, that it would be faithful um, to Your Word, and that Your Spirit would do good work in our hearts through our time in Your Word. We also pray for our friend who is struggling physically. Pray that You'd be with him. I pray, God, that You would um, comfort him and his wife, and I pray that You would bring relief and bring healing. I pray that as the, um, as the, as the emergency... Um, as the emergency people, as they, um, as they take a look at him, try to figure out what happened, pray that you'd give them wisdom and insight, um, and um, pray that you'd watch over him. And I pray again that you'd, you would um, be with us as we gather around your word. We thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I've always had a hard time with the phrase, uh, just do your best. There, there, are, there are times when um, I am just... I set out in the morning to be a, a nice dad, you know, and just a nice person. Um, but there are just some things that I just... They don't compute for me. And one of them is the phrase, just do your best. Or, well, I did my best. I always have a hard time, because I, I have a hard time quantifying that. I have a time, hard time evaluating that. I'm not positive what that means. I've been a part of a few school sports teams over the years. I've, I've coached some JV and some varsity stuff. I've played on some JV and varsity teams. I don't remember ever a time where we gathered in the locker room after the game and we lost, you know, by a lot. And I just said, well, it's okay because we did our best. Now, I've never said that. I've never thought that. I'd rather not do my best and win, you know? I don't want to lose. I want to succeed. This is, this is where it gets bad in my parenting life. I'll say to my child after they do a test or a project or something for school, did you get an A? No, but I did my best. I don't care as much about that. Did you get an A? You know? Did you succeed? You're like, well, that's terrible. Maybe their best is a C. Well, I, I actually, I want an A, you know? So, and you're thinking, well, I'm thankful you're not my dad. Well, I'm thankful I'm not your dad either. How, how do you feel about that? 
Scripture really is with me on this, by the way. Scripture doesn't use a lot of do-your-best kind of language. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, you know, give it a whirl, try your hardest, see what happens. There's not a lot of that. There's one exception, though, that I know of. There's probably more, but there's one exception at least. Romans 12.18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Paul is just pulling all kinds of punches here, isn't he? Paul is saying, it may not work out, but I want you to go for it. You may not succeed, but I want you to do your best. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Paul is saying in Romans 12, I know it may not work, but I want you to go for it. That's not the way he talks in the rest of the chapter. The rest of the chapter, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. There's like a competitive nature to that. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. On and on he goes. All of it is just like, do it. Don't tell me later that you did your best. I don't want to hear that. I want you to, I want to hear that you did it. Succeed. Make it. Do it. But then you get to verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's fascinating, isn't it? You can hear it in Scripture there. You, you may, what, what Scripture is saying is, you may come to the end and you may say, I did my best. I wanted to live peaceably with the people in my life. I wanted to, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I am not actually at peace with them. I am in conflict with them. I didn't want that. I wasn't aiming for that. But that's where we are. And that's what we have here in our psalm today. Psalm 120 actually ends with that. This is one of the weirdest endings to a song ever. Verse 7 is just an odd way to end a song. He says, I am for peace, but when when I speak, they are for war. What a weird way to end a song. This is not an inspiring lyric. Right? This is basically saying, I'm doing my best, but it's not going well. And then the song ends. That's weird. But it does capture what we feel in life a lot. Because in our lives, we, we feel, we, we, we're like, we, we say, I'm going for peace. I'm trying to live at peace with the people in my life, but it, but they're for war. They're, they're for conflict. I want to live peaceably, but it's not going well. Because there's these people who want conflict. This psalm is great. It ends odd, but it's great. See, what we're doing for this summer um, um, through like middle of August or towards the end of August, we're going to go through these Psalms of Ascent. This is the, the, our summer sermon series is going to be the Psalms of Ascent. It starts in 120 and it ends in Psalm 134. And the Psalms of Ascent are kind of like their own little songbook in the bigger book of Psalms, right? You got 150 Psalms and in the, the, in the book of Psalms, you got this group, 120 through 134, that are, that are their traveling songs. It's like their own little section in the songbook. And they're just, there's some wisdom psalms. There's, some, there's all kinds of different... There's like a, kind of songs of lament. There's, there's just different 
um, kinds of songs in there, but you, you, you get them all together, 120 through 134, and they make up the Psalms of Ascent, is what they're called. And Ascent just means going up, and it's referring to going up to Jerusalem. You, when, when people talk about going to Jerusalem, no matter where they lived geographically, they thought of it as going up to Jerusalem. You ascended to Jerusalem. So these songs of ascent are, are traveling songs. These are the songs, um, this is way better than like 99 bottles of beer on the wall, right? Or whatever is traveling song you and your family have. This is like, these are, these are traveling songs. These are songs when they're, when they're headed to Zion, when they're headed to Jerusalem, to where the people of God are, to, to where you can worship God, to be near God, to honor God with God's people. It's, we can't wait. It's going to be great. And we're singing these songs as we go. That's what the Psalms of Ascent are. And, um, and this is a great first one. This is a great starter because it reminds us why we want to go to the city of God. Why we want to go to the place where God is worshipped with His, by His people. We, we, why we want to go. Because this psalm reminds us and it assumes and it lives in this world where we're doing our best to live peaceably with the people around us, but it's hard because oftentimes they're for war. They're for conflict. So this psalm is great. It reminds us why we want to travel to the city made by God. To, the, to where the people of God are. To where God is near us and God is being worshipped and His truth reigns supreme. Oh, we want to be there. This psalm reminds us of why. And what this psalm does, which is incredibly helpful, is it helps us, it teaches us how to move forward in obedience. We want to obey Romans 12.18. We want to, as much as possible, as far as it depends upon us to live peaceably with all, this psalm helps us. So how can we do that? How can we try to live peaceably with all? That's the question that we're bringing to this psalm. That's the question this psalm will help us with today. So we're going to dig in. We're going we're to ask, how can we try to live peaceably with all? And we've got some answers to that here in this psalm. Number one, first thing, we pray. We pray. Verses 1 and 2, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. So the psalmist is remembering a time many times when he has in the past called to the Lord, and God answered him. And so the psalmist is doing it again. He's saying, now deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. This psalmist is in conflict with the people around them because they're lying about him. They're lying about him. They're, 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 they're falsely accusing him. Have you guys ever been accused of something you didn't do? Have you ever been on the, on the wrong side of this situation? I know that some of you have. I know that some of you have gone through very painful times where, where people have gone out of their way to say untrue things about you. And then those untrue things have been believed. And, and then you're just kind of stuck. And it causes all kinds of pain. I've been in situations where I've been, like I've, I've been counseling people and, and trying to encourage them and, 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 and walk through things with them and, and talk through things with them. And, and it just becomes clear that there are people, there's a person or people who are just blatantly lying about them. 
and just trying to cause as much pain as possible and they don't care about the truth. If you're in a situation where people do not care about the truth, where they're just, they're willing to say anything and believe anything if it helps kind of just prove their point or it helps move their agenda along, it's very difficult to get yourself out of that situation. It's kind of like playing chess with a three-year-old. You ever play chess with a three-year-old? And right now you're thinking, well, I don't know how to play chess. Doesn't matter if you're playing a three-year-old. Doesn't matter. Rules don't matter. You don't even need a board. You know, you just, the three-year-old, I mean, I'm, I play against the three-year-old and I think, you know what, they're three. I might be able to beat them. You know, um, three years old, I can win this game. I'm going to play by the rules. They're not. Right? You know, I've got, there's a, there's a, one of the pieces is called a bishop, right? And the bishop can only move diagonally. It can't magically teleport through other pieces. It has to end when it gets to a piece and it, and it can only do certain things, right? Well, not for the three-year-old. The three-year-old, that bishop is just like a heat-seeking missile. They pick it up and they just blast all of your pieces. And then they say, ha ha, I win. And then they go and they eat some animal crackers and they literally leave you to pick up the pieces. It's awful. Three-year-olds, am I right? Well, that's a lot of how it is when we're working, um, when we're, when we're working with someone who refuses to submit to the truth. When they don't care about truthfulness or not. When they're willing to lie about you and they're, when they're willing to believe lies about you if it helps them in their agenda. Because, because if there's no like baseline, right? If there's no foundation, then you're stuck. You, if you're, if you're silent about it, people assume you're guilty. And if you defend yourself, people assume, well, of course that's what you were going to say. You, what do we do about this? How do we wriggle our way out of this situation? What do we do? How can we, more importantly, how can we continue to honor God with the way that we live despite the fact that we are being falsely accused and despite the fact that we're sort of stuck in it. Because we want to, consi- we, we want to continue to play by the rules. We want to continue to be people who follow Jesus and honor God. What do we do? The psalmist's first answer is clear here, isn't it? It's where we must start. We We pray. We pray hard. We recognize that we're not going to have any defense in ourselves. If someone refuses to speak or believe the truth, then it doesn't really matter what we say. We, so, so only God can deliver us here. So we remember God has delivered us before. That's verse 1. And then we go and we pray again. God, deliver me. And so maybe God will deliver you by bringing the truth to light. That's what I pray. That's our prayer, right? That, that the truth would be made known right now, and so it would be made known clearly, and, and so those who, are, those who are lying about us will be trapped in their lie, and it will be evident to everyone. That's what we pray for. But, sometimes He delivers us simply by giving us strength to endure. Sometimes He delivers us simply by giving us the strength to endure, to continue to love Him, to continue to speak the truth in love, to continue to follow Jesus, to continue to submit to the Word of God, come what may. Sometimes um, the way God delivers us is, is giving us strength to endure. So, so either way, when we, are, when we are being attacked, when we are being falsely accused, when we're being lied about, and we're having a hard time living peaceably with all, first thing we must do is we must pray. 
Number two, we remember the final chapter. The second thing this psalm teaches us to do is to remember the final chapter. Verses 3 and 4 are very... This, this whole psalm is very interesting. This is, a, this, is, this is interesting right here. Because like we've said, this psalm was written for um, Christ, or not Christians, but we didn't call them Christians in the Old Testament, but it's written for believers. It's written for people who are going to worship God. It's not written for the people who are attacking believers. The, 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 the attackers are, the accusers, the attackers are never going to hear this song. This is not like a musical where you just go and sing to anybody and everybody. This is a song that was for the people of God as they're going to worship. Only they are going to hear this. So why say these things? Because look at what he says. The songwriter says, What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? What is going to happen to you, you accusers? You, uh, you attackers? You liars? You who are for conflict? What's going to happen to you? Verse 4, A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. The songwriter is saying that here's what's going to happen to those who, who, who devote themselves to lying about people, to, to those who devote themselves to being at conflict with people, to those who devote themselves to, to rejecting God and to working against His people. Here's what's going to happen to them. They're going to be judged. If we can think of these, these fiery arrows that these people are launching against us, launching against the people of God. If we think of these attacks as fiery arrows, the verse 4 says, here's what's going to happen to you. A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. The, the glowing coals of the broom tree that refers to coals that got incredibly hot. This is, this is way hotter than the normal coals. And they stayed hot for a long time. And they would rekindle and come back to flame at the drop of a hat. These were, these, these were um, incredibly, incredibly hot coals. In other words, what this songwriter is saying is there is a punishment that is coming to those who devote themselves to, to rejecting God and to tormenting His people. There is a punishment that is coming for those that is going to be terrible. Judgment is going to be far worse than they imagine. Someday, those who devote themselves to deceit will get what they deserve. They will reap what they sow. It's important for the people of God to remember this. It's important for us to remember because we are so... Um, and I was just thinking about this this week. We are so inclined. We are so tempted to just want to make other people feel how we feel. We, we, we feel attacked. We want them to feel attacked. We want to go after them. We want, to, we want to give them what they have coming. We want to take vengeance into our own hands. This psalm, though, helps us to live the way Paul wants us to live in Romans 12. Paul says, no, 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 as much as possible. 
with, 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 as much as it is up to you, you live peaceably. You don't lash out. You don't need to go on the attack. You don't need to resort to deceitfulness yourself. You, 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 don't have, you don't need to take vengeance into your own hands because we know, as believers, we know that in the end, God is going to deal. He is going to deal with those who have rebelled against Him and have cruelly mistreated His people. God is going to bring justice. God is going to bring the vengeance. We let God take care of that. And that helps us in our day-to-day lives. It helps us to be people who um, we, for sure, absolutely, 100%, continue to um, speak the truth. We continue to submit to the truth. We continue to say, I cannot approve of that. I love you, but I cannot approve of that. I cannot have that in my house. I cannot have that affecting my family. I cannot have that in my life. I love you, but that there's no place for that here. I'm sorry, that goes against God. It goes against His design. It goes against His Word. And so we are just clear with the truth, but without taking it personally, and without getting all bent out of shape, and without feeling like we have to make them feel as bad as they're making us feel. We, We don't have to do any of that. We can live at peace in ourselves, we can live at peace um, as far as trying to sort out how to dole out punishment for those who are attacking us. We do not need to live that way. We allow God, we allow, we allow God to have that. That's, that's in God's purview. That, that's, in, that's in God's domain. God takes care of vengeance. We just walk faithfully. We just walk obediently. We just walk humbly. So we remember the final chapter. And then number three, third thing this psalm helps us with, we live with some homesickness. We live with some homesickness. Verse 5 and 6, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar, Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. See, okay, so now this is where it comes home to all of us. So I know some of you have, so I know some of you have gone through like personal attacks where you have, you have been, you have been personally targeted, personally attacked, falsely accused. I know some of you have gone through it individually, but then all of us though, all of us live here in Meshach. We all sojourn in Meshach. We all dwell among the tents of Kedar. This is just Scripture's saying, this is just Scripture's way of saying, we live among people who don't want to live for God. We, we live among people who are quick to lie and who are quick to believe lies. We live among people who don't want peace with God. And because they don't want peace with God, when push comes to shove, they're not going to want peace with God's people. And the songwriter is just, he's tired of feeling like he doesn't belong here. He's like, I don't, I don't feel at home here. And I think we, we have some of this today ourselves, don't we? we? We love our country. We are thankful for our earthly country. We're thankful for our citizenship. But then there is so much about our earthly country that makes us homesick for our eternal country. Because our world is full of lies. Lies that say we can be happy and whole without God. 
Lies that say we can be happy and whole by simply looking inside ourselves and doing whatever it seems we really want to do. Lies that say if you disapprove of someone's sin, that automatically means you hate them. One of the lies that I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of weeks, most of you are probably tracking with the, the news story that broke and, and, um, and there's this leak from the Supreme Court um, and it looks very much like Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, which would be a wonderful step in the right direction. It does not mean for a moment that the battle is anywhere near over, but it is a wonderful step in the right direction and it and it 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 brings the it 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 brings the the authority on this into the state level and there's there's a lot of good that can happen it's a good we're we're excited about it one of the things about um me being pro life so one of the conversations i i get into and and one of the sort of things i hear about being pro life is that because I, I firmly believe that abortion at any stage of the pregnancy, in any trimester, any time after conception, abortion is the killing of a human baby, baby created in the image of God. And so that's sort of just like the... That's the trump card, right? That's the thing. That's the thing. I believe that. I believe Scripture teaches that. So now, but but... Because I say that, there are things that are automatically assumed about me. Things that are not true of me that are automatically assumed. Because the moment you hold that position, what happens next is people automatically assume that you're not for women. That you don't care about the health of, of, of women. You don't, you, you don't care. Like if, because there are, and we don't, I don't need to tell you this, there are so many sad stories, Right? And there are stories where women are taken advantage of and then, and then the, the idiot dude just leaves them. There are stories of assault. There are stories where, where women, where it is, it is, um, physically dangerous for her to carry the baby full term. These are true stories. These things happen. And so the moment I say I'm against abortion, what gets packaged on me with that is that I don't care about those situations and I don't care about, about holding men accountable. That's just that's what's automatically assumed about me and there's nothing I can do about it. I can talk until I'm blue in the face and you guys know I can talk, right? I, I can talk, I can talk and then when I get bored of that, I just talk some more, right? And when I see I've, I've lost them long ago, still talking, it's, it's, it's funny to me, and I did not mean to do this, but the, I grabbed the title, I always grab the title for my sermons because I don't really care too much about titles, but I grabbed them from uh, sort, of a, sort of an important part of the, the passage. And so this sermon's actually called Too Long. It comes from verse 6, Too Long Have I Had My Dwelling Among Those Who Hate Peace. And so I, I was trying to capture the fact that we feel homesick here, and I also capture the fact that the sermon's too long. And I don't care, you know, I'm just kind of leading with it. I'm just owning it. I'm just calling it that. So um, I'm, I'm at peace with it. Um, but I can talk and talk and talk. But it won't matter. Because that lie has been built into society. 
the lie that says, if I'm against abortion, I'm also against women. And I don't care about holding men accountable. That lie is there. I hate that it's there. And there's very little I can do about it. Now, I'm going to, right, as a church, like if, if, like if, if, if Indiana outlaws abortion, then churches have to step up their game, right? We have to be there for, for women who are struggling, who, who, are, who are pregnant and we're not ready to be pregnant. So we have to be there. We have to figure out ways to be there for them. And even more than that, and I think you guys are doing that well already, you have to come alongside the young men in your life and say, no. You don't go anywhere near a girl until you are ready to, before God and before your nation and before your family and friends, commit yourself to her for the rest of your life. You stay out of her bed until you are married to her and you are ready to commit to her for the rest of your life. You are not going to just do that and then, and then do whatever you want and then, and then leave her. So we're going to hold the men in our lives accountable. And we're going to start when they're 12 years old. But even if we do all of that, if we, if we speak the truth with as much love as we possibly can, the, 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 the lie is going to be believed about us, right? What that does to me and what it was doing to the psalmist is it just makes us feel like we don't belong here. It's a terrible thing to feel just misunderstood. To know that you are doing the kindest, most loving thing you can for someone and it is being received as hate. Maybe you love that. I don't love it. I don't love it. This psalmist is helping us. He's saying, it's okay that you don't love it. It's okay. You're going to have some homesickness. You're going to walk through life with some homesickness. You're going to walk through life feeling, I just don't feel right here. I don't feel right here. I am stuck, and there's nothing I can do. I just do not feel right here. That's what, that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, woe to me that I'm here with people who just don't love God. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know how to make this right. Too long have I been here. It's fine. I don't have any brilliant insight for you. I'm just saying, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And more importantly, God is saying, yep. He's saying to us in, our, in his word here, yes. Yes, you're not going to feel at home here. Because if you feel at home with people who do not love God, if, if you feel at home with people who do not love God, then you'll never feel at home with God. We can't have both. It's okay. You just continue to, to walk faithfully. You continue to speak the truth in love. You continue to be 100% flat out against abortion and 100% flat out going to hold men responsible. You're going to do whatever you can to care for the women in your life. You're just, you're going to, you're just going to do both and if, if you're misunderstood, you're misunderstood. So we live with some homesickness. You're like, boy, I don't like that. Yeah, well. <sighs> Did you hear that sigh? That's about all you're getting. I don't, I don't have anything else. It is glorious to know that the, that the Bible writers, it is glorious to know that the Bible writers being carried along with the Holy Spirit felt the same homesick we're feeling. 
It's good. It's normal. Number four, we pursue a clear conscience. Verse seven, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is a wonderful thing to be able to say. I wish I could say this more. I wish I could say this more often than I, than I can. The psalmist is saying, I am for peace. So when he, when he pillows his head at night, he is saying, I've done my best. I've done my best. I've, I've done all that I was able to do. I'm, I'm not going to betray the word of God. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dishonor the glory of God. I'm not gonna say something the Bible doesn't say. I'm not going to. I'm gonna live for God, but I also am going to live for God it, it, just as, with as much compassion as I can. So when I go to bed, I'm not trying to pick a fight with those people, but they do not love me. They do not like me. They are against me. But I know, I know I am for peace. Sometimes, sometimes when we find ourselves in conflict, chances are here in like northern Indiana, we're not, there's not hardcore persecution in northern Indiana, right? So chances are the conflict that we find ourselves in, um, it could be, you know, your own fault. It could be you're a cranky, opinionated, weird person, right? Or it might be that you find yourself in conflict and it's not your fault at all, but it's also not that big of a deal. It's just like the peaceful, Christ-honoring thing to do is just let it go. Someone wronged you, but it's, it's fine. We're just going to move along. It's fine. But then there's other times where the conflict is real. And it's unavoidable. Like, you're doing what you can to live peaceably, but you're also absolutely, you know, especially when, when asked, you're going to, you're going to say, here's what I believe. Here's why, here's why this is wrong from the Word of God. Here's what it means to honor God. And, and, and no, the Bible doesn't agree with you. And no, you can't just kind of change what the Bible says. Well, we can say, I love you, but I want nothing to do with, your, with what you're choosing to do here. I already mentioned that this, um, that this sermon is too long, and now I'm like, just, it's beyond the pale, and I don't care. And, and uh, Colin started the service too late, so really, this, I feel like this is his fault. He sort of just set the tone for, yeah, too, too long service. So anyhow, it's his, it's his fault, and... You can talk to him about it later or not. I don't care. Um, I w- and I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this part of it, but I, I, it, I think it's important, so I'm going to. There's a difference. There's a difference between being winsome and inoffensive. There's a, there's a very important difference, and I mention it because um, I think that it's being lost in, like, the American church at large, which you guys don't pay attention to the American church at large. You're just trying to like be here in this church and be present and care for this church. And, and I know like as a pastor, I'm thinking about general trends in American church at large. But I also know it is a temptation for us as individuals in our own just individual lives. There's a difference between being winsome and being inoffensive. So, Scripture calls us to be winsome, which means we're just, we're, we're kind people. We, we try to be polite. We try not to be obnoxious. 
When we talk about things, we try to talk about them in ways that make sense and are clear and are compelling and are obviously loving. I want, I want people to think, and I know none of you believe that this is what I want, but I really want people to think that I'm a loving person, that I'm for them, that I care for them, that the only reason I would say something um, hard or difficult is because I love them. That's what I want. That's what I want. And that's what you want as well. And so we want to be winsome, which just means we're, we're friendly and we're kind, and as much as lies within us, we live at peace. In the way we talk with people, in the way we treat them, But that is a massively different thing than being inoffensive. Because if my main goal is to not offend people, then I will not follow Jesus. I will not speak the truth in love. I may speak, and I may say kind things, but I will not speak the truth in love. Because whether or not someone's offended by what I say, at the end of the day, it's not on me. I can do all that I can do to say it in kindness and in love, but I have to say it. I have to say, no, 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 that whole lifestyle is a sin. It's wrong. It's against the Word of God. And No, you, you can't live that way. You can't think that way. That's not what the Word of God says. So if I'm in situations where the, the truth just needs to be heard, it needs to be stated, it needs to be said, then I have to say it. And so my main goal in those situations cannot be to not offend because the Word of God sometimes is offensive. Oftentimes it's offensive. I love Jesus and the Word of God offends me often. I'm like, oh man. You, you hold it up, it's like a mirror. You're like, ooh, I do not look good. And there have been times where you guys have offended me. I'm still getting over it. But it wasn't because you weren't being winsome. Probably every week my wife offends me. You say, she's so sweet. Yes, she is so sweet. But the the truth offends me. I don't like it. I have to deal with it. So our main goal cannot be to be inoffensive. To be winsome, yes. Not to be inoffensive. And I think... In the American church right now, that line is being blurred. I think we're losing those, I think we're losing that definition. I think we think to be winsome, we have to make sure we don't offend anybody. Let's not lose that in the church, but let's not lose it in our own individual lives either. I'm going to tell you now, for all the past times and all the future times, thank you for being for speaking the truth to me. Because when you speak the truth to me, I will not thank you in that moment. So I'm going to say now. I'm going to say it now. So those are, the, those, are the, those are the four things we can do from this psalm. Number five, finally, we turn to Christ. We turn to Christ. Is, is this psalm about Jesus? Well, yeah, it is. Because who in the world is the only person who could ever truly say, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war? Who is the only one ever with a perfectly clear conscience, with a perfectly true track record? We are all liars except one. We are all deceived except one. We are all guilty except one. Jesus Christ of Nazareth never lied and He was never deceived. He came so that we could have peace with God. 
We deserve God's judgment in hell. God has accused us many times. He has never falsely accused us. We stand actually guilty before God. Every sin that God holds against us is a sin that we have indeed committed. We could never live peaceably with God even if we wanted to and we didn't want to. So Jesus came right down into this world full of lies. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth comes right down into this world full of liars like you and me who hated the truth. And predictably, what did, the, what did this world full of liars do with the truth? They brought false accusations against the one who came to bring them peace. They killed him for crimes that he did not commit. He died according to the plan of his father at the hands of sinful men so that you and I could be at peace with God. And so now, as we believe this good news and as we follow Jesus, we know that following Him, since we're walking, <laughs> since we're, we're walking and trying to do life the way He has us to do it, we know that if the world hated them, there are going to be opportunities, there are going to be, there are going to be circumstances, there are going to be situations where the, where the world hates us as well. There are going to be times when we may be falsely accused, where we, where, we, where we may be grossly misunderstood, where we may be being as winsome as possible, what we have offended. And when that happens, we turn to the one who is falsely accused for our sake. And we remember that since he has died for us, since he has bought us peace with God, now when we are having a hard time living at peace with the people in our lives, we can pray. We can do what this psalm calls us to do because Jesus because, because of Jesus, God hears and answers our prayer. We can remember the final chapter. Because of Jesus, God will never punish us the way we deserve. We can live with homesickness. Because of Jesus, we someday will live in a city whose builder and maker is God. In a city where there is no deceit and there's no conflict and there's no false accusation and there is no sin. We can pursue a clear conscience. Because of Jesus, we are safe to confess the sins we have committed and we are safe to say, as far as I know, my conscience is clear before God. We can pray. We can remember the final chapter. We can live with some homesickness. We can pursue a clear conscience. And in all of this, and for all of this, we turn to Christ who is always true and faithful. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for our dear friend who is, who's having a little bit of physical trouble this morning. We pray that you'd be with him. We thank you that you are his true and faithful friend. That you are his good friend. And we thank you that you are our good friend. That come what may, you watch over us and you are, you are with us. We thank you for Jesus which brings this psalm home to us. Jesus makes this psalm make sense and makes it work for us in our daily lives. And we do feel homesick here every once in a while. We do feel out of place here every once in a while. We do find ourselves just falsely accused where people believe the worst about us and we just feel like there's nothing we can do about it. Help us, God, to be able to pillow our heads at night saying, I am for peace. There are people out there who are, who are for conflict and they, and they just, they, they, they just, they're at conflict with me, but, but I am actually doing my best. 
Help us to be able to say that by your, God, by your grace, God. Give us strength for that. Help us to leave vengeance and judgment and all of that. Help us to leave that to you. Help us just to, just to continue to speak the truth, to continue to believe the truth, continue to obey the truth, to continue to follow Jesus. Help us to be as kind as we can be to the people in our lives. Help us to find strength for all this in Jesus. God with us. We love you, God. We want to honor you. Help us to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.